Positive Aging with Patricia Raskin is the podcast that provides empowerment, inspiration, and education for older adults to thrive in their golden years. It's produced by Rhode Island PBS and made possible through the generous support from South Coast Health, Cochlear, Greenwood Credit Union, Bama Companies, and Balancing Life's Issues. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Positive Aging. I'm Patricia Raskin. Today, we're talking about how to age better in all areas of our lives through prevention so that we can be fit at 50, sexy at 70, and nimble at 90. My guest is Richard Bezdeen, MD, physician, geriatrician, and scientist. Dr. Bezdeen has devoted his career to the well-being of older adults, working in universities and the federal government. He is currently professor of medicine and professor of health services and policy and practice at Brown University, devoting his time to teaching, research, and mentoring. He has authored more than 125 scholarly publications on aging and edits widely in medicine. Welcome, Dr. Bezdeen. Thanks, Patricia. All right. There is a great quote on prevention from 1900, and it says, the only way to keep your health is to eat what you don't want, drink what you don't like, and do what you'd rather not. Uh, How do we work around this so we can enjoy our older adult years? So sadly, uh, in 122 years, in many domains of the United States, we've not made much progress. The fact is, the things that I am going to talk about with you today can mostly be fun. There is a way to find delicious food, exercise you enjoy, going to see your physician is never a a picnic, but uh, having a physician you have a a trusting and uh, respectful relationship with. So that's obsolete. Mark Twain put it in the mouth of Puddinghead Wilson uh, to be a smart aleck as he was. He was a very smart aleck. All right. So what is successful aging? Uh, well, among other things, it's the title of count them nine different books that have been published uh, in the last 20 years. You can't copyright a book title. We could write the Bible if we wanted. Um So successful aging is complicated. Many people think it is a triathlete 100-year-old winning not in his age group. Mm. Well, nonsense. Physical vitality can certainly be preserved uh, to some degree, but aging in and of itself erodes some of that. Certainly, feeling healthy is really important. And, you know, disease happens and we make the best of it. Uh, Older women are much better at uh, dealing with um, disability than our men. Not only do they have, can they have successful lives, but they live longer. Men succumb to conditions that uh, older women not exactly breeze through, but continue to live with and have a life. So I would define successful aging as a combination of feeling good and feeling useful. It's that simple. If you're engaged in activities that make you feel useful and you feel pretty good, that's success. And part of that revolves around exercise, brain health, nutrition, um, emotional health. So there are a a list 
and I have them in an acronym that includes my name. And you'll remember the acronym, but you'll never remember the items. Desdeen's boomers are sad if they don't do all these things. <laughs> um, and uh, I don't think you want me to read the list. It takes a lot of airtime, but we'll discuss a lot of them. The wonderful thing about these 18 interventions is that each in of itself adds value. So you don't have to do the whole big casino to live to, to a healthy older age. Any one will make it more likely. The more, the merrier. Um, and certainly controlling blood pressure and getting exercise, uh, a healthy but sane diet, driving uh, uh, hmm. environment that's not toxic, screenings for cancer. There are a lot of them. Lot of them. Um, uh, unfortunately, I don't have a book to sell uh, today. Um, but, you know, let's talk about one of them you just mentioned, because we haven't talked about that that much. And that's about safe driving as we're older. So it's a big issue. We are an auto, meaning automobile-centric society. Public transportation is poorly developed in most communities. I don't even have sidewalks in Barrington. Um, so the loss of the ability to drive safely mm. is dreaded by most older people, and rightly so. It, almost always means loss of some independence. But there are things you can, remaining generally healthy. Even in Rhode Island, you can't get a driver's license if you're blind. Mm -hmm. So DMV checks your vision. But the one thing it doesn't check that is a powerful contributor to fatal automobile crashes for older people is cognitive impairment, most mm -hmm. often Alzheimer's disease. Mm -hmm. Uh, I hope we'll have time to talk about that. There are ways to reduce the risk of dementia, uh, but the proof is in the pudding. If there's a concern about an older driver, whether it's near misses or dings and dents in the car, um, families don't or and physicians don't give or take away driver's licenses. That's DMV. If you're worried, First of all, someone should have a physician's assessment. And if the physician is worried, then it's a DMV issue to call the driver in for a road test, pure and simple. And, if and the road and many times it's a family member that will that will see it sometimes uh, before the person sees it. Right. So that that's that, by, by the way, that is a principle of, of my practice of geriatric medicine. Believe the family. Yes. If they tell you something. It's almost always right. This podcast is made possible in part by South Coast Health, a not-for-profit community-based health system that provides a clinical and caring experience to every life we touch in Southeastern Massachusetts and Rhode Island. To learn more, visit southcoast.org. I want to move on to something that sometimes is we're not always sure. And this is about immunizations, particularly since COVID. What vaccines are important for older adults? All of them. All of the ones that are recommended. So you started with COVID. Uh, let's talk about that. Uh, I have had four boosters or four doses, both boosters. Um, and uh, I have scheduled my Omicron booster, which is the newest one available. All 
older adults should get these vaccinations. They prevent hospitalization and death. If you can't remember that, you need to be evaluated. It's as simple as that. They prevent hospitalization and death. What about shingles, the shingles vaccine? So other vaccines for older adults that are essential. You mentioned the herpes zoster or shingles vaccine. There's a newer one, but it's almost 10 years old now, uh, called Shingrix. <clears throat> the older one um, was a live virus. The newer one is not a live virus. And the protection against not only shingles, but its dreaded consequence of post-herpetic neuralgia. Mm -hmm. I have had two patients over my lifetime who have committed suicide because of the severity uh, and unrelenting nature of the pain of post-herpetic neuralgia. So mm -hmm. it's real, and the older you are, the more likely you are to get it if you get shingles, and the vaccine prevents both Shingrix and uh, most insurances cover it without a cost. Other vaccines, the uh, pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine, very important for older adults. Your tetanus should be up to date, meaning every 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, probably the single most important vaccine is influenza. Mm, the flu shot. Yes, the flu vaccine. Uh, older adults should get the high dose. There's also an adjuvant dose. Uh, because older adults have a tired immune system and it needs more stimulation. But they work and they, again, prevent hospitalization and death. What about along that same line? What are some of the health and disease screenings that we should do regularly over 60, over 65? Probably the single most important one that is most neglected <clears throat> is colon cancer screening, uh, usually with colonoscopy. Mm -hmm. If there's a family history, you should be starting uh, as early as 40, but certainly beginning for all adults over the age of 50. If a first screening is negative, uh, that is no polyps, nothing amiss. Um, most gastroenterologists will wait five years. Some recommendations are waiting as long as 10 years. It takes 10 years for a polyp to develop to cancer, um, but you want to get in there sooner. Uh, if there are polyps, then every three years until you've had mm -hmm. um, a negative screen. Okay. And it's, it, it, it's a scandal. There are 160,000 deaths a year from colon cancer in the United States, and every single one of them is preventable. I lost a dear friend. <clears throat> who was in the prime of life in his late 70s and didn't believe in it, and he died of metastatic colon mm, cancer. Yeah. So a lot of this is prevention. Speaking of prevention. Let's, we can't uh, leave screening without talking about mammography for women. Mm -hmm. uh, Medicare covers it, and uh, its annual screening, um, um, again, fully covered by Medicare, and the treatments for breast cancer that is discovered are getting better and better and better. I would say that in the 21st century, breast cancer, when it occurs, and it's tragic if it does, but when it occurs, uh, it is a chronic disease these days, mm -hmm. almost always, yeah. to be managed rather than killing people. So you're talking a lot about prevention, which is so important. Let's talk about prevention and home safety for older adults, where sometimes we fall 
We don't have the strong balance. So what can we do for home safety as we get older? So that's a long conversation. I'll try to just hit the mountaintops. Uh, Certainly, uh, we baby-proof homes when a first child comes into the household. Uh, Similarly, we should grandpa-proof the home, looking for dark or unbanistered, unhandrailed stairways, um, irregular stairs, loose carpeting, uh, objects between the bed and the bathroom that can be stumbled over at night, loose rugs, all of these things and more should be on the the agenda for every older person at home. Uh, In addition, uh, there are hundreds of deaths a year of older persons from accidental poisonings. You would be astounded. Mm. Poisonings due to ingestion of bleach. Mm. How could you possibly swallow something so nasty? Well, smell and taste can be uh, diminished with age and with disease. So get toxins of all sorts, including cleaning agents, out of the kitchen. Mm-hmm. In the dark, going into a cabinet you think you know well, and you think you're getting a snack and you're getting a poison. Mm. Uh, fire safety, very important. Yeah. Figure out what you're going to do if there's a fire in your house. Uh, if there's more than one exit, um, you know, not breadcrumbs, but make a path to that exit if the main entrance is blocked by fire or smoke. Mm. And if, for goodness sake, have smoke, carbon monoxide, fire detectors uh, that work, have ba- working batteries that in, work. In, in the house. And the last thing I'll come to is guns. Uh, you know, the guns have become a political issue. If you get shot in the head with a gun, it doesn't matter what your politics are. Uh, if you have a gun in your house, you're 18 times more likely to have you or a family member shot by it rather than you shoot an intruder. So uh, whatever your politics, it's crazy to have guns in your house. This podcast is made possible in part by Cochlear, the global leader in implantable hearing solutions, helping people of all ages to hear and connect with life's opportunities. To learn more, visit www.cochlear.us slash aging. So talking about family members and, you know, really being able to communicate with your family, because something you said before I thought was so important, you know, the family doesn't lie, the family tells the truth, listen to the family. So how do you start talking about conversations like care conversations with your family? Should you stay at home? Should you go into an alternative place like an assisted living or a different community? How do you have these care conversations with your family or with your advisor? And what are the goals? So uh, as Dorothy said in The Wizard of Oz about the yellow brick road, uh, or no, maybe it uh, uh, it was the straw man who said, generally, it's best to start at the beginning. Um, the time to have, you brought up two separate issues, and I'm going to address goals of care first, as opposed to place where you live. Goals of care conversations should be occurring routinely among the family, regardless of age, because bad things happen to good people all the time. 
even young people should be thinking about if they were catastrophically afflicted, whether it's on a ventilator with COVID or uh, with a, a stroke or a heart attack or a motor vehicle crash and brain death is imminent or has occurred, what would someone want for themselves? Most people have not had these conversations. Mm -hmm. And for most people in intensive care units, these con conversations occur for the first time when faced with a life or death decision. And that's crazy. Those conversations should be had in the comfort and relaxation of your own home with your own family. Mm -hmm. And older people think about these things, but they don't want to frighten their children by talking about them. It's like sex. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> uh, I hope you will. Um, so, so these having an advanced directive is not worth the paper it's written on because nobody can find it. And if you find it, it won't have addressed the issue at hand. So you talk about resuscitation or even ventilators, and the issue is uh, dialysis for kidney failure. Um, so you need to have the conversations. Have the conversations, have discuss and, options. And There's a wonderful down. instrument in Rhode Island called the MOLST, M-O-L-S-T, Medical Orders for Life-Sustaining Treatment. They should be in your local post office and doctor's office mm -hmm. and or go online and download one. And it's a detailed enumeration of all the things you should think about when having a goals of care conversation. Right, which is you great. don't even have to fill it out and sign it, but at least get the conversation. Going. And they probably have that in other states, right? Many uh, of the states. Yeah, in some states, there it's a pulsed physician orders rather than medical orders. They're the identical instruments. So, you know, speaking of these conversations, is this all part of staying emotionally healthy? You know, because if we have these conversations, we can reduce our anxiety. We can reduce our stress. So talk now more about emotional health in sure. our older adult years. If I went out in downtown Barrington and asked the first hundred people I encountered what the commonest mental illness is in older people, over the age of 75. 65 is really hardly can I, old. Can I guess and answer that? Sure. I would say anxiety and depression. Well, no. Depression. You Close. would either get depression or Alzheimer's disease. Okay. And it turns out uh, generalized anxiety disorder afflicts between 15 and 30% of older adults, depending on where you look. The U.S. Preventive Services Task Force just this week <clears throat> came out with a formal recommendation that all older adults should be screened for anxiety. In mm -hmm. fact, it wasn't just older adults. Anxiety is rampant. Yes. Worrying about your kids going to school, worrying about getting COVID, worrying about losing your... There are so many things to worry about. I worry about the things I have to worry about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so screening for anxiety, and there are... Cognitive behavioral therapy is talking about it with a health professional. It doesn't have to be your physician. And it often works, but there are medications that are effective for treating anxiety as well. This podcast is made possible in part by Greenwood Credit Union, which offers locally based full service banking 
where our focus is on you. To learn more, visit GreenwoodCU.org. And don't you also think, Dr. Bistein, part of this whole anxiety is because we have so much uncertainty, as you said, with COVID and everything else that's going on. More I, I think if you go back 10, 100, or 1,000 years in history, you will find someone writing that these are the most perilous times mm-hmm. humans have ever experienced. Mm-hmm. There's always something to worry about. So I, I wouldn't attribute it to uh, uh, the, I actually think this is the best time to be alive in Amer- and, and in America since humans have emerged on the face of the earth. Yeah. Nevertheless, stuff happens. And yes, there are things to worry about. Uh, certainly COVID is something to worry deeply about. It is still killing people of all ages, uh, older people more than all right, let's talk about what we alluded to before. Let's talk about sex over 60. Yeah, most uh, most people would think that that's if something dirty about that or improper. Um, actually, a Brown graduate, uh, Brown Medical School graduate, Stacy Lindau, who's an OBGYN at the University of Chicago, did the first and best very large survey but it's self-report, so you know people can make things up. But oh, actually, older people are more likely to be truthful about everything, uh, including <laughs> their sexual activity. And it turns out that most people, and she surveyed people 50 to 90. Okay. And, and what are they saying? The older you are, the less likely you are to be having sex at least once a month. However, the most powerful predictor of having sex at least once a month was not age, but rather sexual frequency in midlife. Mm. So the message there, I think, is pretty clear. And the other major impediment uh, is having a partner. Yeah. Uh, so, so sexual activity is common in older people, um, usually with partners. Uh, but not always. And um, as I said about uh, death, uh, most older people just don't want to frighten their children by talking about it. What I hear you saying is that, and the key was, is that if you use it, it's like, it's like exercising. If you've exercised a lot throughout your whole life, you'll exercise more when you're older. So it's the same thing. It's use it or lose it. Um, But, but again, that is what you're saying. It's, it's it's functional. Absolutely right, but with one caveat, and that is health. There are diseases, whether it be arthritis impairing ability to move or vascular disease uh, causing erectile dysfunction in men um, or failure of lubrication for women or loss of libido. There are a a lot of uh, sexual dysfunctions that go along with common diseases. And um, so we need to take that into consideration. Yes, but it's also very important to let your physician know if you are or want to be sexually active so that Mm -hmm. there are many drugs that interfere with sexual function. And it's not widely publicized. So if you want to continue or start sexual activity over the age of 70, 
be sure your physician knows about it so she won't be prescribing medications that will interfere. But And there are other forms of closeness, right? Hugging and holding. It, well, when surveyed, older people pr- uh, report much higher degrees of satisfaction with their sexual activity than do middle-aged and young people. Now, That's you could say, well, of course, practice makes perfect, or you could say, well, older people are easier to satisfy. Whatever the explanation, older people are happier with their sex lives than they were when they were younger. Interesting. So what do you want to leave our listeners with about successful aging through prevention? Well, we we really didn't talk about diet or exercise. And both of those are the foundational pillars for lifelong health. And the earlier you start, and my advocacy is for a Mediterranean-ish diet, a plant-based diet, with lots of fresh fruits and vegetables, whole grains, all the fish you want, soy products, but very limited animal products, whether it's dairy or, or meats. Mm-hmm. Um, and we de- didn't talk about alcohol. A glass of red wine with one meal a day uh, is probably okay, but there are recent data that even small amounts of alcohol may be a risk factor. Uh, again, these are observational studies, no randomized trials, so it's hard to be certain. Mm-hmm. I think the weight of evidence is that the less you drink, the better, if mm-hmm. you drink at all. So in closing, you know, you have been at this incredible work with so many accolades and awards, Dr. Bezdin, over these many years. Think about the beginning. Think about where we are now. What do you see for the future? Well, for one thing, I see many, many, many more successfully aging older adults. A larger proportion of today's 50-year-olds are going to be successful in old age than their parents, and certainly their grandparents. And as a society, we have failed miserably to think about what that means what that means for housing, for public transportation, for shopping, and for medical care. Uh, And it's about time we did. I hope to see some of those changes, even though I am uh, uh, extremely old myself. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. This has been honest and candid and, and hopeful. Hopeful. Oh, I I love being old because it beats the hell out of the alternative. And there's (laughs) only one, and it's being dead. (laughs) Well, thank you, Dr. Bisney. I'm sorry if I frightened anybody, but uh, uh, we do have now scientific evidence that everybody dies. On that happy note, Dr. Richard Bisney from Brown University. Thank you, Dr. Bisney. Positive Aging with Patricia Raskin is produced by Rhode Island PBS and made possible in part by South Coast Health, Cochlear, Greenwood Credit Union, Bama Companies, and Balancing Life's Issues. For more information, please visit ripbs.org slash positive aging.